Hallelujah. Open up your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm going to read, I believe, like, I, like Pastor Godwill said, we're continuing a little bit. I know that I didn't get to this scripture. But you know, the Lord, He comes to us always. He calls us. He comes to us. We, we love Him because He first loved us. Amen? We weren't seeking the Lord. None of us. Not when He came to us. You see, because he's the initiator. For God so loved the world. Talk about sowing seeds. Think about God, our Father. He's not a taker. He's only a giver. Now, he receives glory. He receives our praise. He receives whatever we bring him in obedience. He receives it, but he has no need of anything. He's, ex he's self-existent. He's eternal and his nature is always, 100% of the time, to give, to sow. And of course, when he gave Jesus, he sowed the greatest gift, infinitely valuable gift. And so he loved the world, so he gave. He sent, he sowed his only begotten son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so he sowed Jesus into the earth. And Jesus came as a seed. The very nature of God. The very son of God. God in the flesh. Hallelujah. And planted himself in the earth. He died on the cross of Calvary. And was buried in a tomb. Planting himself. Hallelujah. But when that seed came forth and brought forth harvest. It's bringing back an infinite harvest back to God uncountable amen as the as the god as god told abraham as the sands are innumerable on the seashore and the stars of the sky innumerable he said he's talking about that harvest that came from the lord jesus and we're all part of that and so he said there not going to have you turn there but he said speaking of the day when the Lord Jesus would come into the earth, that, that seed, that love gift that God would sow for the salvation of all men, God sent Jesus. And at beginning at that time, he said, from that point forward, in an ever-increasing fashion, all the glory of the Lord, he said, the earth, all the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. And that glory came and the knowledge of it as, as it, it's a knowledge that is manifested, a knowledge that is seen and felt. Hallelujah. The effects of the glory of God come into someone's life and the glory of God through Jesus Christ causes someone to be regenerated. Amen. And born again. And from that moment on, the riches of his glory are poured into that person, poured into that soul, poured into that person's spirit. Amen. Until that person becomes an overflowing vessel of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And where the good works of God, the good works of the Lord Jesus Christ are manifested as a fragrance in all the earth. Amen. 
and the light of his glory begins to flood the earth and drive darkness away. Because it's darkness that causes people to, to, to remain lost. They're lost in darkness. They can't see the light uh, the, of the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ. They can't see. They're veiled from seeing the, the gospel of the glory of Christ until they receive the Lord Jesus. And so how can anyone uh, receive or hear unless someone go and preach? Amen. So we as the sons of God manifest the knowledge of the glory of the Lord in that God has poured into our life. Hallelujah. And when we obey the Lord to go and sow our own lives. I mean, what, what, what Pastor Godwill's talking about is seed. Everything is a seed. Our whole life is a seed. Hallelujah. We are the seed of God in the earth. Amen. So anything that we possess, anything that we obtain, therefore becomes part of that seed. Amen. And it's the rich person. It's the person who's able to sow their life and have the attitude to live with that attitude and that spirit. Amen. That is a rich person that begins to see and, and partake of and, and give out the riches of God's glory. And so Jesus came and the knowledge of God's glory came into the earth. Amen. And then continuing now in his body because then when Jesus was raised up from the dead and ascended back to the Father, he sent his spirit the Comforter, who's exactly the same as Jesus. Amen. And He sent Him to fill the heart and the lives of each one of God's children. Praise God. And so this is what happened. I want you... And then, so that's why it says in Colossians 1, we spoke that verse last week also. In Colossians 1.27, it talks about how this mystery of the gospel, this mystery of God that was hidden from ages and from generations but has now been revealed to his saints, his people, in and through his people, which is what? That, that his saints being filled with Jesus Christ, who is the hope of glory. Amen. The expectation of glory. Hallelujah. To them he willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so now we're manifesting as we obey God. And it's a glory that's not seen. Let me read about it. But it's a glory that's manifest because it's an eternal glory that's not only upon temporarily a person like it was Moses in the Old Testament, but it is a residing permanent glory that's literally a part of your nature. That's why you as a new creation being, a new creation man or woman, what makes you a, so special as a new creation? It's that you carry the glory and the presence of Jesus Christ. Not only now, but for all time. You will continually. And so let's read about that. So it says in verse 12, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, amen. What hope is that? The hope of the glory of God. The hope. The expectation, that word means expectation. That is, that is imminent, meaning upon you, in you now, which is imminent and evident through your life. What glory? Look at verse 11. 
What hope? He says, for what glory, the old covenant glory, the temporal glory that was seen on a man that was only for service during a certain period of time but wasn't resident inside that person for all time. He said, for what is passing away was, if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. And that's why we're living in a better covenant based upon better promises. Because it's eternal. It's never ending. You will live in Christ. You will, you will literally live forever and ever. And you will rule and reign with the Lord. Establishing the dominion of His kingdom over all the works of His hands throughout all the universe that He's created throughout all time and eternity. You will live and you are made in the image. So since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. I'll just continue to read to the end. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the old covenant. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 15. But even to this day when Moses is read or the law is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, he says, now this is the, this is the truth of my children, my believers in Christ. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, a picture of repentance, a picture of faith in Jesus Christ, turning away from the devil, turning away from the darkness of the word, turning away from the darkness of their deeds and their darkened heart. They turn to the Lord and it says instantly the veil is taken away. And you are gloriously born again in a moment of time. Hallelujah. The greatest miracle that will ever take place in anybody's life, bar none, is the new birth. When you are instantaneously and forever born again from above and filled with the life and glory of God. In a moment of time that takes place. And from that point on, it's an ever increasing measure. So look at this. Because we're being conformed or transformed or transfigured into the same image as Jesus. So he says... Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit. Can someone say, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost? Say, thank you, Lord, for the mighty Holy Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And what he's talking about here literally is he's, of course, wherever the Spirit of God manifests, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is emancipation. Amen. There is the deliverance from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Hallelujah. But what he's really saying and referring to here, here is the, the Spirit of God and His glory inside of us. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, He lives inside of us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. You who were poor aren't poor anymore. You who were sick won't be sick any longer. You who were stingy are not stingy anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God. You who were poor are now rich with the riches of God's glory. Amen.
And so every earthly natural rich that's in the earth is also yours. Amen. You're a possessor of the glory of God. And so he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Someone say freedom. 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 Verse 18, look at this. But we all now with unveiled face or open face. Hallelujah. Unashamed face. Unashamed. But open face, beholding as in a mirror, not in a mirror, but as in a mirror. He's giving a picture of what reflects back to you when you look in a mirror in a natural way. You look in a mirror and what you see reflects back to you. But that's not what he's saying, who we are or what we have. Look, he says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed transfigured, changed from the inside out into the same image. Someone say same image. From glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's the work of the Spirit in you as you behold the Lord Jesus Christ in His holy written word and as you behold the Lord Jesus Christ in your prayer life and as you worship Him, you're worshiping the Lord and you don't know it, but the Lord is just looking on you. Amen. And He's receiving your worship. He's receiving whatever it is, the faith that's exuding from your life in that moment with Him as the Spirit of God is interacting with you in the the secret place of God. Hallelujah. And so it is, I can see it in two ways. It's from glory to us back to glory. We're reflecting the image of the Lord. And as that's happening then, the other way that we can read this glory to glory is in an ever-increasing measure from one degree of glory to another, to another Always higher, always greater, always better. Amen. Like we were praying for the ECM. It's really a miracle of God, isn't it? You have, you have a, a meeting one year and you think, my God, hallelujah. There was none, no meeting ever like that one. And then the next year comes and it's better. Right. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then we say the same thing about that meeting. Why was it? Because that's what God had. God purposed that for that very moment. That was the plan of God. That was the purpose of God. We pursued the plan and the purpose of God for this year. And because we were in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right things, the glory of God manifested in our midst. Amen. To a greater degree than we had before. Now, this is a work of faith, and you have to believe it. Now, look at next chapter. Right on over to chapter 4, because the context continues here. We're talking about the manifestation of the knowledge of the glory of God. And we just saw that Christ in us is the hope of And we're ever being fashioned, transfigured, and changed into his very perfect image. Amen. Who he is in glory. Not who he was in the flesh. Not who he was as a man. But who he is as the king of glory. The king of kings and the lord of lords. The glorified, resurrected, 
Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And he goes here on to say, I'll just read from verse 3 to give context, and I'll finish up in verse 6, verse 7. But even if our gospel is veiled, again, we're back to the gospel. It says it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. So we're preaching Jesus, and Jesus, the one who is living inside of us by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, is beginning to shine as we share the Word of God, as we share our testimony, as we share our life, as we speak the words of Jesus, because the the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, hallelujah. And the spirit of prophecy is that living Word that comes to an unbelieving, darkened heart and pierces right in dividing asunder soul and spirit and it and it and it and it and it reveals the secrets of their heart whether or not you know even what you're saying what's happening inside of them is secrets of their heart are being revealed and unraveled and they're realizing that this is not just a person but this is God speaking to me coming to show me who he is coming to demonstrate his love and his power to me And that's how the transformation takes place through our lives. Or as we do anything else, as we pray for them, we release the presence and power of the Spirit of God. And the light of the glory of Christ from within us begins to fill the atmosphere, driving out darkness, putting underneath the works of the devil in their life, and setting them free. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Hallelujah. And the worst bondage that anyone is under is described here that I just read in verse 3. Or is it verse 4? Anyway, when he says, who do not believe. The worst bondage, because the bondage that somebody needs to be delivered from first off and foremost is the bondage of unbelief. But we come with hearts full of faith, and the faith that resides in us is released in our words and in our touch. And then he says, so that the, image, the, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And then I read that. Then look at verse 6. Here's the culmination of this. All that I've been reading and speaking thus far, up until now, he says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give or to release. That literally means to give off, to gleam out. Who has shone in our hearts to give out the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's a face-to-face encounter that we had with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a face-to-face encounter that the people of the earth also are looking for. That's why he said, having such hope, we use great boldness of speech. 
They're saying because we understand this and have this expectation burning inside of us. I hear people always tell me, uh, lots of times they'll come to testify after you minister to them. And they say, when you were ministering the word of God, something was burning inside of me. Amen. Well, that's the power of God to, to bring you into a place of greater faith and the reality of that word so that you may have confidence and boldness to step out and be exactly who you're called to be. There's no time and there's no place for a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Pentecostal, gospel-believing, book of Acts, hallelujah, believing Christian, ever to be afraid or fear anybody. Because he who is in us is greater. Amen? Greater. But why do I say that? Because in reality, that's the holdup sometimes is people are afraid to encounter, to approach, to step into a divine appointment with somebody. It's not just about preaching the gospel from a platform in church or on a crusade platform. It's about you and I living life every day with the knowledge of the glory of God emanating in us and out of us. So that we can have our antennas up. We can be sensitive to the Lord. Why it's so important just to spend some time with the Lord. When you wake up. Just to tune in. And, and just tell the Lord. Lord I'm here for your service today. If you want to touch somebody. Speak to somebody. Give to somebody. Lord I'm available. And if you truly pray that kind of prayer. The Lord will do it. He'll do it. And you can't be afraid that you don't have the time. You can't be afraid that you're going to be in trouble over here because you've given some time here. No, because the shield of God is around you. Amen. And the favor of his, of the shield of his favor is on you. And you can't be afraid that how will this person react to me? No, this person needs exactly who you have in you and what you carry. Amen. And my Lord, don't ever fear. What if the Lord doesn't? No. His promises are yes and amen. Hallelujah. Give him glory. I hope this is helping somebody. Amen. Okay. Let me just, a couple more scriptures, and then I'm going to pray for a few people. So, I'm going to skip Ephesians for time's sake. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. I've already pretty much covered everything I could have said there about Ephesians 1, but I just want you to know the, the prayer, the apostolic prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1 beginning in verse 17, that, of course, you and I have the right and the privilege to pray over ourselves and over other people, for other people. It says that God, I pray that God would give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, a spirit to see and to know. Amen? 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what comes in the riches of that glory is the next thing and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the same working of his power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Amen. So look at Hebrews 1 because now I want to show you Look what the Lord has left for us to do. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, Old Covenant, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things. That includes every person on the earth, through whom also He made the world's Now look at Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express or the exact image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down, someone say sat down, at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Amen. Lord of all. Hallelujah. So what this is saying is God, our Father, is invisible, right? The invisible God, the Bible says. No man has ever seen the Father nor can see Him in this lifetime. There'll be a day when we look upon our Father's face. Oh, how I look forward to that day. Hallelujah. I actual, in actual fact, I live for those days. I live my life now anticipating those days. Hallelujah. Because I want lots of time in front of the face of God. But anyway, what he was saying here was Jesus came as the image of God. And God was revealing who he is, his heart, his nature, his essence. Who is, who is God? People wonder, who is God? Oh, the world is all a mess because they have the wrong uh, idea of who God is. And they attribute the works of the devil to God and the works of God to the devil, you know. And so people have no true perception of who God is. And the world is steeped in darkness and lost because of the lack of that knowledge. Amen. But Jesus came... The outshining of God and His glory and everything He said and everything He did was a perfect image, replica, we could say, of who God is, what God has to say, and what God the Father will do. And we know that Jesus went everywhere doing good, amen, preaching and teaching, doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. So then Jesus finished His work and then skipped down. I don't have time. I just want to skip down to verse 13. You can read that on your own. He goes on to talk about the anointing of Jesus Christ and how he was anointed with the the oil of joy. Hallelujah. And he brought joy everywhere he went because his works were good. But look here. After he finished his work, he sat down. And so let's read. Because when he sat down, God raised somebody else up. And I think you know who it is. Praise the Lord. 
He says in verse 13, But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You might find it interesting to know that that verse right there comes from the Old Testament. It is the verse from the Old Testament that's quoted more times in the New Testament than any other verse. Five times it's quoted in the New Testament. This verse right here. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And he goes on. So when Jesus sat down, his body on earth had to stand up and rise up and fill the place now that he occupied when he was here. With the same power, the same glory, the same anointing. Amen? Amen. Not less because as he is the exact image of the Father, so he is growing us up. When he comes again, he says he's coming for a glorious church, full of glory. Hallelujah. And so he's raising up a church that's full of glory to manifest that into the earth so that all the earth will be covered with the knowledge of his glory. Amen. So let me finish up in John chapter 2, and then I'm going to pray for some people real quick. John chapter 2. Hallelujah. Amen. We still got 20 minutes. Praise God. Just going to read this verse. John chapter 2 and verse down to about verse 9. Because this is just one example that we can see where the same works that Jesus does we're called to do, we're anointed to do, we're appointed to do. Hallelujah. And it's so important that we allow Jesus to be who He is inside of us by His Spirit. That's what he's endeavoring to do every day of our life. He's working inside of us to change us in an ever-increasing fashion so we will be enlarged in our spirit to believe more, to believe bigger about him so that we can receive the fullness of who he is and the manifestation of his glory inside of us. And that's why the devil comes as the accuser of the brethren. Because he wants to steal this witness. He wants to steal the image of Jesus Christ away from you. And the only way he can do it is to come to accuse you and bring you into a place of feeling guilty and condemned about who you are or where you are. But you have to remember That the righteousness that you obtained and the righteousness which is in you is the righteousness of the Lord. And the Lord doesn't give and take away like some people would say. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable without repentance. Even if one doesn't repent, God won't take away the gifts that he put inside that person. That person will miss out because they'll never be fulfilled, never be satisfied, never be used in a glorious way in their life. But God still won't take it away. But think about us, those of us who are believing the Lord, who are endeavoring to walk close with Him, 
who are loving on him and receiving his love. Hallelujah. So look at this. Verse 9, you know the story of the miracle in Cana of Galilee. Jesus changed the water to wine. A creative, transformational miracle. And it says, when the master of the feast had tested the water, in verse 9, that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. <laughs> Look at this now. Every man at the beginning sets out the best wine, the good wine, the best. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, because they won't know the difference then. But in the beginning, they'll know the difference. So they, they put the best first. But he said, you have kept the good wine until now. The Lord always keeps the best for last. Why? The principle. There's never a decrease, never a subtraction, never a going down in God. It's from one degree of glory to another. It's always higher. It's always further. It's always greater. It's always better. It's always richer. Amen. And so think about your life as an individual. You're growing. You're getting older. You're going further your life so you must have the reality and live by the truth that it's only getting better for me from this point hallelujah hallelujah the devil will try to come and say your best days are behind you you're used up now look at you no you say the best is yet to come hallelujah and the Lord has poured out in these last days, the end times of the last days, He's poured out a revival, a part of which we have all come into, hallelujah, where the Lord is pouring out new wine, hallelujah. He's pouring out the Holy Spirit in a greater measure with greater glory, greater joy, greater peace, greater manifestations than ever before, hallelujah. If you believe it, give him praise in the house. <clears throat> so we're living in the best days. The best days. And it says here in verse 11, this beginning of signs. This beginning of signs did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. This beginning of signs, this was the beginning. The first sign, I want you to see something. The first miracle, the first sign that Jesus did. And it coincides where it says here, and he manifested his glory. He manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. That's why the Lord wants the supernatural for you. That's why the Lord wants the miraculous for you. That's why. 